And you're listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNO and WRKF. I'm Patrick Madden. On the show today, we will be talking about King Cakes. We'll have an interview with author Matt Haynes. And producer Alana Schreiber also tells us about a new kind of king cake with a traditional Jewish spin. That's all coming up. But first, on Fridays, we talk politics with Stephanie Grace, editorial page director and columnist for the Times-Picayune, The Advocate. You can always read Stephanie's work at NOLA.com. Stephanie, happy Friday. Happy Friday. So, Stephanie, let's talk about the latest in the governor's race this year. And there's a lot of speculation right now about what Congressman Garrett Graves will do. Um, Can you give us sort of the context for why Graves' decision to enter the race or not enter the the race is is, uh, causing uh, so many headlines right now? Um, Will do or will not do, of course. And I think the emphasis right now is on not from Louisiana's perspective because it's on what he will do in Washington. Um, A lot of eyes on Garrett Graves because he's kind of the last of the big three of the Republicans that a lot of people were looking to to be something like a consensus gubernatorial candidate in this upcoming um, open primary. So, you know, Democrats, Republicans, independents can all vote. And really, the focus is what um, I think we're going to hear a lot about the, you know, ABL will be the initials, anybody but Landry. There are kind of a lot of different constituencies looking for someone who can beat Jeff Landry, who is the attorney general um, in the race, got in the race early and, you know, the real culture warrior candidate. So he's got his constituency, but he has a lot of people kind of across a pretty broad political spectrum who are hoping somebody could beat him in this kind of complicated open primary system where, you know, maybe the candidate most likely to win a race like that won't get into the runoff because people will vote for the extreme, you know, the the field will be divided too many ways. So the first was um, Bill Cassidy. Second was John Kennedy, the two U.S. senators. There was, they both considered it. They both pulled out. Garrett Graves is the congressman from Baton Rouge. He's a he's a Republican, but he's, you know, he he would not consider himself a moderate. He is, a, you know, he's a conservative voting record, but he's also someone that I think a lot of people who are not very, very conservative could live with and would be happy with. Um, he's got a real focus on environmental issues. He used to be hit, run the state coastal protection authority. He does believe in climate change, all those things. Um, and he has been getting a lot of phone calls. I think he's probably been enjoying being on the receiving end of, you know, all these people telling him how much, how badly he's needed. But the other person who told him he was needed apparently is Kevin McCarthy, the new house speaker. Right. And has given him kind of a prominent role in the party. Um, as part of McCarthy's team, he's also expected to be a subcommittee chair for transportation over aviation. So I would say look out Pete Buttigieg because Garrett Graves can be pretty combative. Um, and, you know, as someone who's expected to be in line to be full uh, committee chair soon in the next couple of years. So he's got a really bright path in Washington, too. And it kind of he hasn't said. But with this news that he is joining McCarthy's team, you know, it looks that way. It really is taking the air out of the speculation that he could get in. And Stephanie, switching over to the other party, uh, the Democrats mm-hmm. here in Louisiana, uh, there's been some internal uh, uh, 
Strife? Strife is, yeah, strife's <laughs> yes. a good word for what's been happening with, with right. the official uh, state party. Fill us in there. Right. Now, I should say there also has been a lot of strife with the Republican Party, which has endorsed Jeff Landry and the chair went after Garrett Graves, basically almost, you know, right. threatened him if he got in. So that's over on the Republican side. On the Democratic side, there is a relatively new chair named Katie Bernhardt, who put out a very strange video this week um, sponsored by a PAC. It did not say she was running for governor, but certainly the implication was that she was looking at running for governor. Um it was, uh, I'm going to say, somewhat widely mocked. It was, a, it, you know, a little amateurish. She's a Democrat. She picked up a gun in the middle as if she were Marjorie Taylor Greene or something. I don't know how that plays with. I mean, I know it, you know, it's expected. It, the idea is it would appeal to middle of the road voters. But, you know, do Democrats love that? I don't think so. And, you know, the fact is that she is the chair of the party. And a lot of people expect her to be trying to find you know, support building the party and support right. getting a strong candidate as opposed to doing it herself. So there's a lot of criticism. People have called for her resignation, including the new public service um, commissioner, Devante Lewis. Uh, one of the vice chairs has resigned in protest. It's a mess. Both parties are a mess. And I'm going to say, you know, it kind of goes back to the fact that both parties in Louisiana really just their role is very fuzzy compared to other political parties in other states because we have this open primary. So the kind of normal role of a party, of a state party, is to find, you know, the nominee from that party. We don't have that. So they there's a lot of freelancing that goes on. And you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Patrick Madden. We're speaking with Stephanie Grace. Uh, Stephanie, here in New Orleans, obviously there's a recall effort against the mayor. The mayor has been in the national headline. She was on uh, CBS. Uh, there's a New York mm -hmm. Times uh, column out this week uh, on her and the recall effort. Um, t where does this recall effort stand right now? Well, it uh, we have about a month, less than a month to, but by the deadline to get the number of signatures, it's um, over 50,000 signatures. It's a very high bar. Your organizers are, you know, say they're getting somewhat close. Um, all the signatures have to be verified, of course. And what that would do is just have, you know, that would not recall for her from office. That would meet, that would lead to a recall election in which right. everybody could vote. So, um, you know, in the meantime, the damaging headlines have been drip, drip, dripping. Um, her appearance on Face the Nation last week, I would say, was not well received back home, by and large. She kind of said, you know, we've turned the corner on crime. And I, I think a lot of people don't feel like that's where we are yet. Um, she did have a big win this week, I will say, though, because she got enough, um, you know, she got enough police presence to have the full Mardi Gras roots, to that's kind right. of let the parades go where they want to go. So that's going to be a very popular move. How much credit she gets for that, I don't know. That basically means, you know, bringing in officers from elsewhere in the state. And um, the new sheriff, Susan Hudson, played a big role in that, too. And I'd imagine that once we get into Mardi Gras season here, that the, there'll probably be less emphasis on politics. Exactly. Although the deadline for the recall petition is, I believe, Ash Wednesday. <laughs> so we'll be right back to it. And of course, there's always a lot of political satire at carnivals. So that's something I'm always watching out for, like what, you know, Cantrell floats in costumes we might be seeing. Well, we'll have to keep, keep our eyes and ears open for that. Stephanie Grace, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, thank you.
And you're listening to Louisiana Considered here on WWNO and WRKF. I'm Patrick Madden. In the last few years, New Orleans has seen an explosion in the variety of king cakes one can buy, from Don Fuang's Vietnamese style of the dessert to Norma's Sweets Bakery's Cuban approach with a guava filling. King cakes are increasingly taking on new cultural identities. Last weekend, Louisiana Considered's Alana Schreiber learned about a new kind of king cake with a traditional Jewish spin. Serena Deutsch grew up surrounded by the smells of fresh-baked challah in her South Florida home. Her mother made the traditional Jewish bread almost weekly for Shabbat. And by the time she moved to New Orleans, she started experimenting with challah recipes of her own. I made a, a berry chantilly cake challah. I did one with... Um, with pralines, and then when it was king cake season, I thought I would try my hand at a king cake, and I learned that challah dough is pretty similar to the brioche that a lot of king cakes are made with. Um, And so I created a filling and created an icing, and then it turned into a king cake. Serena's been making challah king cakes for three years now. After her creations became popular over Instagram, she was asked to lead a workshop to kids at the Museum of the Southern Jewish Experience. Today, she's preparing the dough. It is a pretty time-intensive process, so I make the dough, which is just my regular challah bread dough, let it rise, and then instead of doing my normal three-strand braid, which is what I would do for a challah, I take those three strands roll out the dough and I fill it with butter, brown sugar, and cinnamon, and then twist that into each strand and then braid it together. But then I twist it into a round braid so it looks more like a king cake. For Serena, Hala King Cakes isn't just a passion project. It's also a way of celebrating two of her cultural ties. The Jewish community has a, a strong history in New Orleans, even if that's not the sort of common perception of the community or of Mardi Gras. And, you know, especially I think having a, a form of representation, even if it's, you know, sort of a, a creative thing that I've just made up, I think it feels like just another expression of of my version of Judaism, of the Jewish community here, um, feels like a way to kind of bring together two different cultures. And after a morning of rolling, filling, braiding, and baking 36 mini halas, Serena arrives at the museum the following day. The event begins with story time, as Matt Haynes reads his new children's book, The Little Book of King Cake. The students, they all cheered. More king cake, they were thrilled. And they all shouted to Queen Molly about their favorite flavors and favorite bakeries. So this kid... And after the story's complete, Serena passes out the challah. Who here has ever had a challah before? Love it. And without any hesitation, the kids start to decorate. I made a king cake with hol- with cinnamon challah, and, and I covered it with icing and put purple and green sprinkles. That's seven-year-old Meyer. While he says he's made both challah and king cake before, he's never made a challah king cake. He decorates alongside his four-year-old brother, Ari. Um, we added icing and, and sprinkles to be like uh, clowns. That's right. The sprinkles on Ari's cake do look a bit like a king's crown. Because when it comes to sprinkles, these kids aren't holding back. Like six-year-old Ellie. So what is your favorite thing about this event? 
that there's every color of sprinkles that you could ever wish for. The same goes for four-year-old Mila. I put sprinkles um, on top of the icing before I spread it, and I spread it with the sprinkles to make it delicious. While the kids walked away with frosting-filled mouths, half-eaten cakes, and a new book from Matt Haynes, the parents left that day with something more. Here's dads Jeff Schwartz and Lee Rubin. I think these types of events are important because New Orleans is a gumbo pot, and uh, it's all about uh, celebrating old traditions and making new ones. So uh, New Orleans has a really amazing, vibrant Jewish community, and obviously Mardi Gras is the biggest party here, so why not combine those two? Also, a braided challah and a braided king cake seem to be like long-lost cousins, so why not turn the challah into a king cake? A challah and a king cake aren't even that different to begin with. Neither is being a New Orleanian and being Jewish. And that's what this event is all about. Not finding a way to merge two identities, but celebrating the cultural overlap that already exists. In New Orleans, I'm Alana Shriver. And you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Patrick Madden. In the last story, you may have heard a sneak peek of Matt Haynes reading from his new children's book, The Little Book of King Cake. Back in 2021, he published The Big Book of King Cake, a coffee table book detailing the origin story behind this carnival dessert. Recently, he's followed that up with a children's story. He joins Louisiana Considered for more on this new book and the New Orleans bakeries. It celebrates Matt. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be back on the show. Tell us about the idea for th- for this children's book on King Cakes. Uh, where did it come from, and, and w- what were your goals w- when you set out to write this book? So uh, last year, I uh, published The Big Book of King Cake, which is this you know, hardcover, 368-page coffee table book that features 75 different New Orleans-area bakeries and the stories about what makes each of those cakes special and, um, you know, it was a lot of fun to do and, and well-received. And um, I teach an after-school program um, at one of the local schools here, and I brought in the book just to show them. We, we talk about writing a lot, and so I figured I'd show them what I write. And, you know, they, they mostly liked the book, but one of the kids was like, you know, Mr. Matt, like, why do you have this giant book about king cake? What makes king cake so special? Or something along those lines. And, um, and I... I thought that was interesting that these kids um, are eating, you know, kids all over Louisiana are eating king cake, if not every day, at least every Friday at school. Um, and I don't think they always have a good handle on why it's such a special cake here and what it means. And so uh, my goal was to create, create a, a children's book that, um, you know, told the story of what makes this cake so special to us. And um, it's the story of, uh, Miley, she's a third grader, and she has a king cake party at school, and she is the lucky one who gets the baby and her, her slice of cake. And so now she has to choose what cake to bring next. And uh, all the kids in the class have a different idea of what she should bring, and it really is giving her all this stress because there's so many varieties to choose from what she's going to choose, and that's the stressful thing that we all probably come across this time of year. Um, what, you know, what cake are we going to bring to our office or to our party or whatever? And so it's really weighing on her. And her dad suggests that she, um, you know, put something under her pillow that night that will remind her of the problem. And maybe when she wakes up, she'll have a solution. And so she does. She puts the little plastic baby underneath her pillow. And she has a dream that night. And the baby gets to be four and a half feet tall. And 
he talks and he flies and he brings her around from bakery to bakery all night long to all these different real New Orleans area bakeries. Um, and each of those bakeries kind of pitches her on, you know, what makes king cake special to them. And for some of like, there's a, a Randazzo's king cake. That's all about tradition. Tradition's what makes king cake special. There's the Galette de Wah from France. And for him, it's all about the um, uh, history is what makes king cake special. There's a Don Fong king cake. And for, you know, the Don Fong story, like I talked about in the big book, it's about their community and, you know, sharing a special king cake for them that's important to their community. And so for the Don Fong king cake, uh, she tells Miley that king cake is special because of sharing and family and community. And another one says it's decadence or special ingredients or creativity. And so they all have a different idea. And then Miley in the end has to choose what makes king cake special to her and what king cake she should bring. And she comes up with a pretty good idea. And we're talking with Matt Haynes here on Louisiana Considered. He is the author of the big book of King Cake uh, and a new book, a new children's book called The Little Book of King Cake. And Matt, let's just talk about the the explosion in popularity of King Cakes. Um, obviously, as, as you've mentioned and talked about um, in your, your big book um, and as you explore in the little book, I mean, we've seen this take off in terms of just different cultures, different ways of doing uh, King Cake. What have you seen recently? Because it seems like whether it's social media, um, the ability to ship King Cakes out now, that, that it's become even more popular, if that was possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I am so surprised every, and I think Something that I, I was just given a presentation the other day, and, and it reminded me of a statistic that, uh, you know, a lot of you from Louisiana will remember Mackenzie's Bakery, um, who had like the king cake that almost everyone got. And um, I learned that I saw an interview from like the 1940s um, that said that Mackenzie's during their very first season of selling king cakes, they sold a grand total of six of them. And of course, by the time Mackenzie's uh, shut down in 2001, they were selling hundreds of thousands of them. And, you know, since then, after Mackenzie's closed, all of these different bakeries have kind of filled the void and come up with their own special king cakes. And my favorite part of it is that they have king cakes that are reflective, not just of this thousands of years of king cake tradition, which traces all the way back to the Romans, uh, but also weaves in some of their own individual story. And so, you know, there's a woman who loved making chocolate with her father so much, she started a chocolate shop here called Bittersweet Confections in New Orleans. And she has this amazing chocolate king cake. There's a Honduran bakery. Uh, you know, they came in from Honduras, obviously, where guava and cream cheese is a very common combination. Never been done before in a king cake, but they created this guava cream cheese king cake. And they said that seeing a line out their door waiting for their special king cake is what made them feel like finally like they were a part of this community and not just kind of immigrants hanging out here, um, which, you know, kind of resonated with me. Um, and now, like, even to this day, um, uh, Ram House um, Ice Cream Shop, which is in um, a brewery here, um, Courtyard Brewing Company, tonight, Thursday, or I'm sorry, Thursday night, they're having every Thursday night from now till the end of Mardi Gras, they're having a, a King Cake by the Slice Fest because, you know, there's every year there's more and more King Cakes to try. I could believe all these cakes, but she had the idea that, well, what if we made a lot of the smaller ones available by the slice? And so there's innovations happening you know, every single year. Matt, you've, you've named some of the, the big, popular, well-known King Cake brands and some of the newer ones. Talk, are there any other um, new, innovative King Cakes that, that have come out this season that, that have caught your eye? My God, I mean, 
every every single year there's brand new ones. I know that um, I mentioned that event at Ram House, and uh, they have um, uh, what is his name? He's got like a peanut butter and jelly. Uh, king cake that I am dying to try. And so that's going to be there. That's one that I cannot wait to have. I feel like these first couple of weeks, I try to tick off all of my, you know, here are some of my favorites I have to have every year. And then I start to get a little more creative. Um, this year we're doing at the, um, uh, the Southern uh, Jewish Museum. Um, that's, uh, you know, pretty new um, down in the Central Business District. Um, they're hosting a, uh, like a Jewish king cake event for little kids we're doing a reading of the little book of king cake and uh, a woman named serena she makes challah bread king cake and so again she's merging her you know jewish heritage and her love for making challah bread with this uh you know this this longtime tradition of her of her home here in new orleans and i love that kind of stuff so i'm also very excited to try hers um but again like the the i know that um um one of the restaurants, oh, Molly's Rise and Shine, they just came up with this hugely decadent king cake that's available, and I saw pictures yesterday, so I feel like every single day I'm seeing and learning about new king cakes, and, and every year I'm like, well, maybe this is the peak, and then it never seems to be the peak, the new ones next year. Uh, well, Matt, um, tell us the, the best way to find um, either book, the big book of king cake or your new uh, book, a children's book called The Little Book of King Cake. Where, where can folks find uh, these books? Sure. So if you're sitting at your computer right now or by your phone, you can go to www.thebigbookofkingcake.com and you'll find both books there as well, along with a discount if you buy the two of them together. Um, but then you can also get them, gosh, I, I always say uh, your favorite bakery, boutique, and bookshop all around New Orleans and in large part all around Louisiana. Um, and so feel free, if you're looking for a place to buy it near you, you can always send me a message on Instagram. It's at the Big Book of King Cake, and I'm happy to find you, uh, you know, kind of where the, the closest place to buy the books would be for you. Um, and I'm always happy to sign them and personalize them, whether you buy them someplace else or buy them on my website. That's author Matt Haynes. This is Louisiana Considered. And now it's time for Where You Eat with New Orleans food writer Ian McNulty. It was a wet, foggy night some years ago when I headed to the Tet Festival in New Orleans East. Maybe that's why I remember it so clearly. The car drive over was shrouded in misty dark. This only accentuated the revelation of walking into the festival grounds built around the Mary Queen of Vietnam Church. It was like having a curtain rise on a scene that was bright, happy, vibrantly festive, and compellingly delicious. Kids ricocheted around the grounds, many blasting silly string at each other. A tent full of games of chance pulsed with activity and rolling dice. Outdoor kitchens gave off the sounds and aromas of Vietnamese cooking as people tended cauldrons of pho, fished puffy fried bananas from vats of oil, and whipped spring rolls together with the speed of piano virtuosos at the keys. Tet is the Vietnamese celebration of the Lunar New Year. The biggest local celebration is the Tet Festival, put on annually by Mary Queen of Vietnam Church in the Village de l'Est neighborhood. The fest takes place this weekend, January 27, 28, and 29. What makes the food here special is the way the church organizes itself around it. The food booths are not run by restaurants or vendors, but by different church ministries, and parishioners here often deploy family recipes. That means you'll find food that's not typically served at restaurants. A fragrant soup from the Mekong Delta with pork and shrimp and udon-like noodles. A goat curry, blood sausage, and green pandan waffles are just some examples. For those who already know and love Vietnamese cooking, Tet Festival is a wonderland of abundance. 
For those just beginning to explore the cuisine, it provides a deep, headfirst dive into its flavors. It also shows what happens when a tight-knit community comes together to cook, eat, and share with others. That's a familiar starting point for many a celebration in Louisiana, and it sounds like a good start to the year to me. For WWNO, I'm Ian McNulty. And that's going to wrap up our show on Louisiana Considered. I'm Patrick Madden. Everyone have a great weekend. Major support for Louisiana Considered provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience. More at rouse's.com with additional support from the Sazerac House.